To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Counter-offensive against Russian forces on uh, Friday in the country's east, taking control of a sizable village. And by Saturday, Russia's defence ministry announced that it was pulling back troops from two areas in Ukraine's eastern Kharkiv region. To explain the recent developments and next steps, uh, Professor Robert Patman, uh, who is an expert in, well, lots of things, including foreign affairs and international relationships, um, of Otago University, joins us now. Uh, hang on a second, where's my uh, button there? Robert, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Tim. So, well, what are the recent developments? Well, they're dramatic and uh, I think somewhat unexpected, but... Um it, what's really happened it has been a, a great strategic feint by the Ukrainian forces. They announced in June they were going to launch a counter-offensive on Kherson. And um, they kept making that point very public. Uh, but that was partly disinformation. They did launch an attack on Kherson, but not before the Russians had transferred 10,000 troops from the, uh, from Kharkiv. And so what happened is that they did start a, 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 some sort of um, uh, offensive, a counter-offensive in Kherson in the south, but they took full advantage of the fact that the Russians had moved 10,000 troops out of Kharkiv. Kharkiv is the second most important area after Kiev, And uh, they took full advantage of the weakened defences of Russia, which means they've now seized about 30 settlements in wow. Kharkiv, including Isium. So in the space of nearly two weeks, they've seized more than 2,000 square kilometres. Mm. So this is dramatic progress, and it's been done at lightning speed. The Russians have been stunned, and it looks like um, the Ukrainians are very adroitly taking full advantage of chain of command problems in the Russian military. And uh, the Russians, as, you, as, you, as your introduction said, have now announced they're regrouping. But they're, they're re- that's a very polite way of saying they're retreating in the face of defeat. So I, I've also seen some headlines um, about um, uh, Putin wanting to, I don't know if he's conscripting more troops, but also getting arms from North Korea. How are the Russians going from their own military resources point well, that's of view? Well, that's a pretty sign of, that's, a, that's not a very encouraging sign. That, uh, that they're shopping around for armaments from North Korea. By the way, the social media in China is mocking the Russian military performance. And, you know, it only confirms the, the Ukrainian counteroffensive, only successful counteroffensive, only confirms what a catastrophic strategic misjudgment Putin made in the first place when he tried to invade Ukraine. Russia has now lost close to 50,000 troops. Uh, and uh, about 30,000 casualties. And there are signs of real tension in Moscow now. The military, Russian military are extremely unhappy. Uh, one of the problems is that Mr. Putin, uh, the Ukrainians have fought the long game very well. They targeted Russian generals. They, eliminated, they assassinated more than um, 10 Russian generals, which meant uh, there have been people coming in um, and who have not got the same level of expertise. Mm. And uh, under an authoritarian state like Russia, 
uh, everyone's nervous about taking any initiative which doesn't have the blessing in the boss. But in a fast-moving situation like this, you can't wait too long for the mm. boss to give approval. So in a sense, Ukraine has taken full advantage of some of the political problems of running an authoritarian state. Is there any end in sight, and is there, a, is there an end we can envisage which saves any form of face for Russia in the event that Ukraine successfully uh, keeps pushing them off? Because we've got this thing I'm hanging sure over should be. No, I'm sorry, I don't agree with the idea of saving face. Oh, I don't like it either. I'm just wondering if, if that's part of the equation, though. No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. Russia has to live with the consequences. It tore up the UN rulebook. Mm. It illegally invaded a neighbouring country, which is a democracy tried to annex it, has committed war crimes, I'm afraid it has to deal with the consequences of its own action. And uh, Mr. Putin's in deep trouble as we speak. And uh, he, 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 he'd be lucky if he's still in power if, if this Ukrainian military progress continues for too long. He'll be lucky if he's in power for too long. Um, but it, ultimately, he has to deal with the consequences of his own actions. You can't reward aggression. And for a country like us in New Zealand, we can't. It's bad news for smaller and middle powers like New Zealand if these bigger players basically get fobbed off with some sort of land for peace deal. Yeah. Um, what's to say he wouldn't resume territorial demands six months after getting some of Ukraine's territory? Where's the balance of where's the balance lying now? Would you say it's firmly in Ukraine's favour? It's swinging. It's too early to say it's decisive. The tide seems to be turning. The Ukrainians have always had a better military performance. I mean, after all, they, re they, they, they rebuffed the attempt to seize Kiev in the first part of the war, which was a devastating defeat for the Russians. It pushed them back to the eastern part of the country, and they've relied on their superiority in artillery. But um, what we see now is that the, the Ukrainians are benefiting from much more sophisticated weaponry and also a lot of their a lot of their troops have been trained by um, you know countries such as New Zealand yeah. and um, countries of NATO and they're benefiting from that high level training and I, I think I guess it's fair to say also the sanctions uh, one of the reasons yeah. that that, that uh, North Korea's and play as a military supplier for Russia yeah I mean it, it's uh, it's looking a bit you know difficult for mr. Putin but mm. obviously He's created this situation. No one made him invade Ukraine. This was a totally yeah. unprovoked situation. And uh, it looks like he's overreached himself as we speak. Just one last question. We've got about 30 seconds left. Um, the, the nuclear power plant, how worried should we be? Because I can't see that would be a win for Russia if something terrible went wrong there either. No, it's the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe, and uh, Naporishi. And... Uh, yeah, it is a worry, and uh, there's it, it, no way you can minimise concern about that. I mean, the fact that the Russians and, and the Ukrainians have exchanged fire around that plant is very worrying. Excellent. Uh, Robert, I really appreciate your, your, your insight today. Thanks so thank much you. for joining us. That is thank, a, you. thank you. That's Professor Robert Patman, who is Director of International Studies at Otago University. Um, gosh, that really is, that really sort of um, puts a bit of a... It's an interesting slant on it, doesn't it? Uh, just the way that Ukraine have turned this around. Um, they're fighting for their homeland. Big difference, isn't it? Anyway, uh, we'll be back to wrap up this hour in just a moment. It's seven minutes to four on the Weekend Collective. Tim Beveridge, News Talk ZB. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.